Chapter Two of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Two: The Black Art of Atlantis. For some time after Kelson and Curtis had left him, Hamar lolled back in his seat, lost in thought. Thought, as he told himself repeatedly, should be the poor man's chief recreation. It costs nothing and if one wants a little variety and the walls of one's rooms are tolerably thick one can think aloud hamar often did and derived much enjoyment from it i'm convinced of one thing he suddenly broke out i'd rather be hungry than cold one can in a measure cheat one's stomach by chewing leather or sucking pebbles but i'll be hanged if one can kid one's liver it's cold that does me a touch of cold in the liver i could jog along comfortably on a few dollars for food but it's a fire a fire i want the temperature of this room is infernally low after sunset and half a dozen coats and three pairs of pants don't make up for half a grateful of fuel hunger only makes me think of suicide but cold cold and a chilled liver makes me think of crime yes it's cold cold that could make me a criminal i would steal burgle housebreak cut the sweetest lady's throat in christendom for a fire there that little outbreak has relieved me now let me have a look at the book he dragged the volume towards him and despite the feeling of antagonism with which it had inspired him and despite the cynical attitude he had up to the present adopted towards the supernatural he speedily became engrossed on a few leaves somewhat clumsily inserted between the cover and first page of the book hamar read an account presumably in the author's own penmanship of how he thomas maitland after being shipwrecked had remained on innisturk island for a fortnight before being rescued and had spent the greater portion of that time in examining the books etc in the chest he had found his only food shellfish and a keg of mildewy ship's biscuits he was taken so the account ran by his rescuers on the bark hannah to london where he lived for five years his lodgings were in cheapside and it was there that he compiled his work on atlantis having obtained his subject matter from the atlantean books he had managed to bring with him and which after an enormous amount of perseverance and labour he had translated into english though these books were subsequently destroyed in a big fire that demolished the entire street luckily for him he had sent his manuscript to the publishers messrs bettsworth and batley a week or so before the conflagration broke out so that he was at any rate spared the loss of his own arduous and invaluable work the publishers did not accept that manuscript at once at that time there were very severe laws in operation against anything savouring of witchcraft and magic and as the manuscript dealt at length with these subjects and in a manner that left no doubt whatever that he thomas maitland had practised sorcery extensively messrs bettsworth and batley were forced to consider whether it would be injurious to them to publish it mrs bettsworth was eventually consulted as indeed she always was on extraordinary occasions and her interest in the manuscript being roused she decided in its favour 
within a week of its publication however it was suppressed by law all the copies saving three presentation ones to the author which he successfully concealed were destroyed Monsieurs Bettsworth and Batley were put in the stocks on Ludgate Hill and fined heavily, and he, Thomas Maitland, was ordered to be arrested, flogged, and imprisoned. But, wrote Maitland, I was not to be caught napping. My previous adventures and hair-breadth escapes had rendered me unusually wary, and perceiving a number of people, among whom were two or three sheriff's officers approaching my house, I at once interpreted their mission and climbing through a trap-door leading on to the roof of the building nimbly made my way to the end of the row and slipping down a water-pipe easily eluded my enemies london however being now too hot to hold me i booked passage on board the peterkin a thames trading vessel of some eighty tons and sailed for boston my flight had been so hasty that i brought very little with me nothing in fact except the clothes i stood in a stout winter suit of homespun brown cloth a cloak and a pair of good strong leather leggings a purse of fifty sovereigns all i had a knife pistol and two copies of my precious book the third copy alas i had left behind in my hurry after giving a few unimportant details as to his life on board ship maitland went on to say owing to a succession of storms the peterkin was driven out of her course and after narrowly escaping being dashed to pieces on the florida reefs latitude twenty four and one half degrees north longitude eighty two degrees west we ran ashore with the loss of only two lives the second mate and the cabin boy on the isthmus of yucatan close to the estuary of a river footnote one the river referred to by maitland is the river lagartos which was then in sixteen ninety one unnamed End of footnote. here we were forced to spend nearly a year during which time i made several journeys of exploration into the interior of the continent in the course of one of my rambles amid a dense mass of tropical foliage i suddenly found myself face to face with a gigantic stone sphinx which i at once recognized and identified it was tatnuada an atlantean deity elaborately described in one of the burned books much excited i set to work and after clearing the base of the idol of fungi and other vegetable growth adhering to it discovered a superscription in atlantean dialect to the effect that the image had been set up there by one hulir to commemorate the destruction of atlantis of which catastrophe hulir believed himself and his family that is his wife ozilmave and daughters taramu and niketoth and the crew of his yacht the chak moray ten in number the sole survivors here then to my unutterable joy was strong corroborative evidence of the great disaster narrated in detail in the manuscripts i had found in innisturk island the existence of atlantis was now thoroughly substantiated on all sides of me i stumbled across further evidences of these early settlers here standing in bold outline on a slight eminence was a stone edifice adorned with symbolical carvings of eggs harps mastodons triangles and numerous other objects all of which were capable of interpretation and indicated that the building was a temple to some god 
i was much struck by the extraordinary similarity in many of the things i saw notably in the sphinx idols and symbols to many i had seen in egypt and to some extent in ireland and i at once set to work to draw up a careful analogy between the languages of those countries the word banchichesi footnote two for chiche compare the ancient maya or yucatan word chikanitsa that is name of town in yucatan where excavations are now taking place nineteen twelve end of footnote i found to contain the celtic ban a barrow and coptic isi plenty whilst i recognized in the words colmenes footnote three for menes compare mayan menes wise men end of footnote the celtic cool a man's name that is finn son of cool in taternanage the coptic toth that is name of ancient egyptian deity and urs tirnanage the name of the wife of oisin the last of the feni in chakmore footnote four compare mayan chakmol a leopard end of footnote the coptic deity re in ozomave footnote five compare ozil mayan for well-beloved end of footnote the celtic mave a girl's name in teramu footnote six mu mayan for maka end of footnote the celtic terra a girl's name and in niketoth footnote seven nike woman's name in mayan end of footnote toth the earth's technical form of feminine gender and comparing the alphabets i traced a very striking likeness between atlantean a and gaelic or earth a atlantean b and the coptic b atlantean d and the earth d atlantean g and earth g atlantean t and coptic t and many of the other letters to the atlantean c o e z i could however find no likenesses from all these similarities that is in architecture symbols letters and words i could come to no other conclusion than that there was some strong connecting link between atlantis and ancient ireland and egypt assuredly this great link could not have been merely due to stray survivors of the great catastrophe was it not much more probable that the earliest inhabitants of ireland and egypt had originally migrated from atlantis carrying its language and ways and customs with them moreover since the atlanteans were so deeply versed in magic and everything appertaining to the occult this migration would account for the mysticism that has always been so closely associated with egypt and ireland and for the psychic faculty so strongly observable in the inhabitants of these two countries i was highly satisfied i had proved much and my discoveries had upset many of the theories advanced by the modern sages i could now positively assert that the wisdom of the world came not from the east but from the west it was to the golden west to banchichesi capital of atlantis that humanity owed its knowledge of the sciences and arts and of all things good and evil eden if eden existed at all was not in asia it was in atlantis and the deluge that is recorded in the hebrew bible and is traditionally in the histories of nearly every tribe and nation 
was none other than the mighty inrush of the ocean over atlantis due to some abnormal submarine earthquake of what eventually became of the atlanteans whose relics i had so opportunely alighted upon i could only surmise the last record i found was on a tablet set up by niketoth on this she spoke of the death of hulir and ozilmave of the intermarriage of the crew of the chakmore with native women of the consequent growth of the colony and of her determination to leave it and accompanied by a chosen few to push away further inland footnote nine the anxiety of my comrades to leave the continent perforce put an end to my explorations and in the beginning of the year sixteen ninety two exactly ten months after our landing the peterkin was refloated this time nothing happened to impede our progress and in april of the same year we sighted boston here i remained for some months making many new friends and studying magic and sorcery but the love of travel had laid so strong a hold on me that i again took to a roving life i set sail for spain in november sixteen ninety two landed at caruna and made my way to madrid where i arrived on january one sixteen ninety three for the rest hamar had to turn to monsieur's fox and pool's addendum that is the footnote that matt kelson had read aloud hamar was now inclined to regard the book in a very different light what he had read seemed to him to be set down in too simple straightforward and at the same time detailed a manner to be other than true up to the present he had not believed in ghosts and witches for the very simple reason that like all sceptics he had never inquired into the testimony respecting them he had pooh-poohed the subject because every one he knew pooh-poohed it and also because it had never seemed worth his while to do otherwise but provided he thought it would pay him he was ready to believe in anything in christianity mohammedism buddhism theosophy or any other creed and granted the book he had in his hands was really written by maitland and maitland was bona fide which hamar saw no reason to doubt and granted also that maitland was sane and logical which from his writing he certainly appeared to be then there was a certain amount in the volume that in hamar's opinion was a find needless to say he referred to the magic of the atlanteans the art through which the practice of which they had got in touch with the powers that could endow them with riches the actual history of atlantis once he was satisfied there had been such a place did not interest him he skimmed through it quickly and i append a brief summary only for the benefit of more intelligent and disinterested readers the atlanteans were the oldest intelligent race in the world they existed contemporaneously with paleolithic man with whom their mariners and explorers frequently came in contact and about whom their novelists wrote the most delightful stories just as fenimore cooper and Maine reed in these days have written the most delightful stories about the red indians in religion they were polytheists they believed that in the work of creation many powers participated that some of these powers were benevolent some malevolent whilst others neither benevolent nor malevolent were merely neutral to the benevolent creative powers they attributed all that is beautiful in the world that is certain of the trees plants flowers animals insects and pleasing colors and scents 
all that is fair and agreeable in the human being such as affection love kindness the arts and sciences in a word all that in any degree affected the welfare of mankind and to the malevolent creative powers they attributed all that was noxious in creation all that was harmful to man and detrimental to his moral and physical progress that is diseases and all savage and filthy passions all races of low intelligence such as the paleolithic and neolithic man and all those born with black or red skins those colors being particularly significant of the malignant occult elements all destructive animals that is reptiles such as the teleosaurus steniosaurus etc birds such as the pterodactyl vulture eagle etc mammals such as the cave lion cave tiger etc fish such as the shark and the octopus etc and all ugly and venomous insects these earliest records show that at one time the physical and superphysical world were in close touch all kinds of spirits trolls pixies nymphs satyrs imps vagrarians barovians etc mixing freely with living human beings but that as the population increased and civilization evolved superphysical manifestations became more and more rare until finally they became restricted to certain conditions dependent on time and locality footnote ten types of elementals still to be met with in certain localities vide byways of ghostland published by Ryder and son end of footnote up to this period there had been no state religion no temples in atlantis if any one wished for a particular favor from the occult powers for example from the rabzes the occult powers of music the brachvos the occult powers of medicine or the derinos the occult powers of love they retired to some secluded spot and held direct intercourse with these powers the idea of praying to an invisible being who might or might not hear them never entered their minds they were far too matter-of-fact for that and it was not until superphysical manifestations had become confined to a very select few that the plan of erecting public buildings in spots frequented by the spirits so that all who wished could assemble there and communicate with them was proposed and put into operation in these buildings however the spirits did not choose always to appear to order sometimes they quitted the spot where the edifice had been erected sometimes they would only appear there periodically and sometimes out of perversity they would appear when least expected but whether occult manifestations really took place in these buildings or not those assembled to see them were persuaded by those in charge of the building who saw thereby an opportunity of making money that the spirits were actually there and in due time these buildings became known as temples and their showmen as priests every temple was dedicated to an individual spirit one to the spirit baraboo another to the spirit caraboro and so on whilst in the absence of genuine spirit manifestations prayers incantations and rituals invented by the priests always attracted a large concourse of people to these temples and finally proved a greater source of attraction than the spirits themselves it was to gain favors from the occult powers that donations from the public were at first invited then demanded and the priests in this manner accumulated vast fortunes 
later on too there sprang up in connection with these temples colleges for the training of young men invariably selected from the wealthy classes to the priesthood and from the parents of these youthful aspirants large fees which in course of time became exorbitant were extracted thereby furnishing another source of revenue to the priests the most famous colleges for the training of priests in atlantis were those of baraboo rec footnote eleven compare egyptian ray end of footnote at kasienwo caribou rec at dianjek and baligarap rec at tijimin it was in the reign of baranil footnote twelve maitland raises the question as to whether baranil was the ancestor of nial of the nine hostages of this there is every possibility since many atlanteans undoubtedly escaped to ireland carrying with them the knowledge of black magic to which might be traced the banshee and other family ghosts End of footnote. fifty-first sovereign of the dynasty of shotak that the evocation of spirits from which modern spiritualism takes its origin commenced baronile was most eager to see a superphysical manifestation being of a somewhat poetical turn of mind he was particularly enamoured of fairies and in the hope of seeing one constantly frequented their favourite haunts that is woods caves and lonely isolated habitations but all to no purpose they never would manifest themselves to him at last he lost patience against the advice of his oldest and most trusty counsellors and accompanied by one or two of his favourite courtiers he went to an excessively lonely spot in the heart of a desert and besought spirits spirits of any sort he did not care what to manifest themselves to his surprise for he had grown extremely sceptical an occult form half man and half beast footnote thirteen probably a vice elemental end of footnote materialized it informed them it was daramara that is in atlantis the unknown that it had no beginning and no end and that it would remain an impenetrable mystery to them during their existence in the physical sphere but would be fully revealed to them when they passed over into Malinoc, one of the superphysical planes. On this, and on several subsequent occasions, when it manifested itself to them, it gave them instructions with regard to evocation, and described to them the tests they must undergo before they could acquire the great powers the unknown was able to bestow on them, namely, one, second sight, two, divining other people's thoughts and detecting the presence of waters and metals three thought transference that is being able to transmit messages irrespective of distance from one brain to another without any physical medium four hypnotism five the power to hold converse with animals six invisibility that is dematerializing at will seven walking on and breathing under water eight inflicting all manner of diseases and torments nine curing all kinds of diseases ten converting people into beasts and minerals eleven foretelling the future by palmistry pyromancy hydromancy astrology etc twelve conjuring up all manner of spirits antagonistic to men's moral progress that is vice elementals vagrarians barovians etc 
taking every care to observe the greatest secrecy baranile caused a full account of these interviews with daramara together with all instructions the latter had given him to be transcribed in a book which he called Bronapotek. footnote fourteen all subsequent works dealing with black magic were founded on it End of footnote. or the book of mysteries and which he kept sealed and guarded in a room in his palace during his lifetime no one held communication with daramara saving himself and his friends but after his death the secret of black magic leaked out countless people sought to acquire it and ultimately the practice of it became universal but the atlanteans little knew the danger they were incurring the spirits they conjured up though at first subservient that is to say mere instruments at length obtained complete dominion over them the whole race became steeped in crime and vice of every kind and so horrible were the enormities perpetrated that fearful lest man should be entirely obliterated the benevolent occult powers after a desperate struggle with the malevolent occult powers succeeded by means of a vast earthquake in submerging the continent and hurling it to the bottom of the atlantic ocean where what remains of it now lies this catastrophe took place in the reign of abu nurin twentieth sovereign of the dynasty of molonikin three thousand years after the reign of baranile so ran the history of atlantis or at least all of it that need be quoted for the elucidation of this story that black magic the black art of the atlanteans was by no means dead hamar felt convinced and if maitland could resuscitate it why could not he at any rate he might try he could lose nothing by giving it a trial at least nothing to speak of the outlay of chemicals would be a mere song whereas on the other hand what might he not gain he eagerly perused the tests the test he must impose upon himself before he could get in touch with the unknown and acquire the magic powers which according to thomas maitland were copied from the original branopotec and including a preface ran as follows preface it is essential that the person desirous of being initiated into the black art the art of communicating with the unknown daramara in order to acquire certain great powers should dismiss from his mind all ideas of moral progress and wholly concentrate on the bettering of his material self on acquiring riches and fame in the physical sphere his aspirations must be entirely earthly and all his affections subordinate to his main desire for wealth and carnal pleasures having acquired this preliminary psychological stage for one clear week he must give himself up entirely to the breaking of all the conventionalities of morality with which society is hedged in he must practice every kind of deception lie cheat and steal and go out of his way to seek an opportunity to avenge any personal injury and if his mind is earnestly and wholly concentrated on acquiring knowledge of the black art no bodily mishap will befall him during this time of probation he must will himself to dream at night of all the deeds he had it in his mind to do during the day when he will know by his visions to what extent he is progressing at the end of the week he must apply the tests to see if he is in a ripe state to proceed the tests 
Number one. At midnight, when the moon is full, place a mirror set in a wooden frame in a tub of water so that it will float on the surface with its face uppermost. Put in the water fifteen grains of bicarbonate of potash, and sprinkle it with three drops of blood, not necessarily human. If the reflection of the moon in the mirror then appear crimson, the test is satisfactorily accomplished. Number two at midnight when the moon is full take a black cat place it where the moonbeams are thickest sprinkle it with three drops of blood not necessarily human and rub its coat with the palm of the hand sparks will then be given out and if those sparks appear crimson the test is satisfactorily done number three take a human skull preferably that of some person who has met with an unnatural end pour on it a single drop of fresh human blood place it on a couch and go to sleep with the back part of the head resting on it if you are awakened at the second hour after midnight by hearing a great commotion close at hand and the room is then discovered to be full of crimson light the test is satisfactorily fulfilled number four take half a score of the berries of enchanter's nightshade footnote fifteen closely allied to deadly nightshade and known in botany as circaea it is found in damp shady places and was used to a very large extent in medieval sorcery End of footnote. two ounces of hemlock leaves in powder and one ounce of red sorrel leaves heat them in an oven for two hours pound them together in a mortar and at midnight boil them in water as soon as the contents begin to bubble remove them from the fire and stand them in a dark place and if the experiment is to prove satisfactory three bubbles of luminous green light will rise simultaneously from the water and burst number five in the above preparation after the test described soak a hazel twig fashioned in the shape of a fork on meeting a child hold the fork with the v downwards in front of its face and if the child exhibits violence and signs of terror and falls down the experiment is successful number six take a couple of handfuls of fine soil from over the spot where some four-footed animal has recently been buried put it in a tin vessel mix it with three ounces of asafetida and one dram of quassia chips to which add a death's head moth acherontia atropos heat the vessel over a wood fire for three hours then remove it and place it on the hearth rake out the fire and make the room absolutely dark keep watch beside the vessel and if at the second hour after midnight any strange phenomena occur the test will be known to have been satisfactorily executed addendum if any of these tests fail the candidate must wait for six months before giving them a further trial and he must occupy the interim by training his thoughts in the manner already prescribed but if on the other hand the tests have been successfully performed he can proceed with the rites appertaining to the black art hamar had read so far when with a gesture of impatience he closed the book what a fool i am he exclaimed to waste my time with such stuff but maitland writes in such a devilish convincing way jerusalem any straw is good enough for the drowning man 
and if witchcraft and sorcery with motors dashing by every second and the whole air alive with wireless and telephones is a bit beyond my comprehension but then all i care about is money and i'll leave no stone unturned to get it if it were possible for man to get in touch with daramara the unknown devil or whatever else it chooses to call itself i'll call it an angel if it only gives me money twenty thousand years ago why shouldn't it be possible to get in touch with it now anyhow as i said before i'll have a try as far as the preliminary stage is concerned i fancy i'm pretty well fixed my mind is occupied right now with things of this world i don't give a cent for anything belonging to another and if only i had half a dozen souls i'd sell them right away now for less than twenty thousand dollars a damned sight less as for these tests foolish isn't the word for them but it won't cost much just to try them now according to thomas maitland the ceremony of calling up the unknown stands a far greater chance of success if there are three human beings present but of course if there is any truth in this business i'd rather keep the secret of it to myself however if i try alone the unknown may not come to me and then i shall have had all the trouble of going through the tests for nothing ah now i see if the other two get more of the profits than i think necessary i can make use of my newly acquired occult power to-to dissolve partnership ha ha i could i could trick the unknown if it comes to that trust a jew to outwit the devil i'll just look up kelson and curtis end of chapter two read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california